T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. WTIC. Michael Leibowitz is here. We've got an open hour, I think. I think we don't have any guests. So uh, if you want to talk, we're just going to uh, bounce some ideas around. And um, if you're intrigued by anything. This is a big direction now for the show, and I think for the state. You know, I want to start a, a third party that advocates for small government because small government is the only cure for big government. And if we don't articulate exactly what it is that we're looking for, then we're stuck fighting on their turf. And clearly that isn't working. Clearly the Republican Party is, is uh, unable to affect any change in the state. So we have to find our own way to do it. And uh, Mike's a big inspiration for that because he's – all into pursuing the American system of government and uh, the Ayn Randian system of government. You can talk now if you like. Oh, okay. I, I got to get used to this. Yes, you have it's to so, always be ready to it's talk, a little which you normally are. I'm always ready to run my mouth. I just didn't want to be rude and interrupt. No, no. Forget that <laughs> instinct. The oh. rude thing is to not be making noise. Okay. Well, Todd, I'm with you 100% on this new party. Uh, you and I have always pretty much seen eye to eye on what government should be doing. And I think that it's about time that we bring a lot of other people on board and get this state and then this country headed in the right direction which is in the direction that your last guest talked about, one where the government is restricted to restricted to protecting our rights rather than violating them. It's so – I can't tell you how good it makes me feel to hear that kind of conversation going on because <laughs> it's, like, it's so obvious. And it's so obvious how they lie to us. Like I loved when he was talking about the co-opting of the word rights and that whole premise because that's what they look. It's like they took the word welfare out of the Constitution having a different meaning and turned it into a social program so they could muddle resistance to it and make it seem like it's appropriate in our system, which, of course, it isn't. All right, we'll talk more after we get ourselves a traffic update. Yep, Mark Christopher and the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Good afternoon, sir. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC. It's so nice to have Mike Leibowitz here and, and nice to have people calling in wanting to talk with him. He doesn't like having to talk with people, but... Uh, I love it. Oh, you do? Let's yes. see. All right. Candace is calling from Chicago. Hi, Candace. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Oh, you got to get Candace on. Talk. I know. What's I just, happening uh, I'm using. I'm having to use a different system than I usually do to get calls on the air. Hey, Candace. Hey, Todd. Um, and hello to Mike. Can you hear me now? Yes. Great. Okay. Hello, Candace. Um, 
it's uh, nice to uh, speak with you both. Um, I uh, am a certified instructor with the Institute on the Constitution. I'm not a lawyer, but I do want to um, inject into the conversation a couple of thoughts on self-evident truth, the pursuit of happiness, and the creator. And I just wanted to throw this into the conversation for what it's worth. When our founders talked about um, self-evident truths, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these, that's not all, but among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a self-evident truth, in their day, everybody knew this. It was, it was as common as if we said um, pizza. They all understood what a self-evident truth is. Today we argue and parse words, but they, they didn't. So for them, this was a self-evident truth, not looking down the centuries to see that we would question that. Probably they thought it, but all men are created equal, because if they're not, well, then there's a problem. They're, they're, they're challenging the system that they had and that they saw the rest of the world having, the rest of the world being what the rest of the world was in their day. The second one... Um, Wait, can we let uh, Mike respond to that before you go on to your course. other point? Sure. Candace, I am going to disagree with you a little bit because to think that the vast majority of people in the 18th century thought that it was self-evident that man had rights flies in the face of the evidence that the whole world was not free at the time. Many, many people fought and died on the side of monarchy because they believed in the rights of monarchy over their subjects. So given that so many people felt that way, it's, it seems to me to fly in the face of evidence to say that everybody understood that we had these rights. If everybody understood it, there would have been no need to declare them so vociferously. There would have been no need to fight a war to secure them. You understand what I'm saying? So I, I just don't think that that's an accurate view of history to state it that way. Okay. And, and Mike, if you go uh, up in the beginning of the uh, – or it's, it's about the middle before they start the grievances – uh, for, for King George, they say that mankind is uh, a will, willing or it, to, to suffer evil while evils are sufferable. So when you mention that there are people that defended the monarchy, it's because, you know, we will suffer. It, it's a truth that man will suffer. You know, change is hard. Change is difficult. But these founders were putting forth the idea that everyone knows this, and in that day they did, but maybe they fought for the monarchy because, hey, it's you know it's but Candace, is, is it possible that they that what they were suggesting was that in it's an it's a fundamental truth to the the human experience that we know that we're born seeking certain things that like our own happiness and that the truth is the truth that we understand is that it, it is one that has to be triggered it's not one that we're sitting around thinking about while we're uh, watching Netflix that's a that's a that's a great uh, injection into the conversation. Thanks for that, um, Todd. But you do, you did mention something about the pursuit of happiness, and I wanted to um, throw this out there for everyone. When we teach the pursuit of happiness, we don't teach it the way you all talked about it. Although that's how people today see it. Actually, the pursuit of happiness is uh, it is is about property that we have the right, as I teach the teenagers, to own our own stuff. When we work, we, we own the money and we own the stuff that we buy. It doesn't belong to the government. And so what the founders did is, instead of saying life, liberty, and property, the pursuit of happiness, that is the right to choose your profession, 
to earn a living, to um, uh, own the stuff that you purchase, and uh, to own your own home. To the, the yes, but those things are all happiness things. Uh, your your career is right. is your choice. Uh, how much money you want to strive right. for is a is a lifestyle choice. Oh, and and we need people pursuing their own happiness because that's. That's the real voting that we do in a capitalist society where people move in certain directions and that defines what the marketplace should be responding with to deliver us the goods we need in order to be happy. Okay, Todd, and I would, I would uh, second that. Uh, no problem. It's just that in thinking the way the founders thought, that was uh, the pursuit of happiness and company, uh, uh, encompassed property. It was not just pursuing what I want to do when I want to do it. It, it is more than that. Yeah, that's and, good. Um, because property doesn't get talked about enough, but it is fundamental. No. All right, let's let Lebo jump in on this, Candace, because he's okay. dying. He's, like, going to explode. I, I am going to explode because, Candace, as I'm sure you're well aware, and I think that property, of course, is encompassed in pursuing happiness means that people have a right yes. to live their lives the way that they yes. see fit. But had they simply meant property, they certainly were aware of John Locke's formulation. I know Jefferson was of life, liberty and property. I believe the Virginia Bill of Rights at the time specifically said life, liberty and property. But Jefferson chose to change it to the pursuit mm-hmm. of happiness. So to mm-hmm. say that what they Did meant... Did he offer was, an explanation of that? No. I mean, I've heard various explanations, but the bottom line is if he just meant property, he certainly was aware of the formulation. So saying just property could be dangerous in that it would be narrowly viewed as Correct. property, as an external thing, as opposed to my body is my property. And from mm-hmm. my body being my property, is that's where the right to own your own things is derived. Yes. You you can pursue your happiness apart from the king, you know, and and that that the king, you know, what you had, who you are, what you did, all belonged to the king. And we're pursuing our own happiness. The property wasn't encompassing enough, and pursuit of happiness kind of uh, was a little bit wider net. I have one more. Can I please go um, quick? It, that's all right. Great. Um, I, I this is a personal thing. No argument here. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But um, they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And I heard Mike say that, um, that's, that, that he disagrees with that. But my question to Mike then is, if we're not endowed by the creator with rights, then those rights must come from the king or from another human being who puts their clothes on the same All way. All right. Do. Let's have a conversation about that. Candace, thank you so much. Thank Great you, to Candace. hear from you. And I love... That you and you force your husband to sit around and talk about all this stuff at dinner. It's just a great thing to consider. Yeah, so the creator part. Okay, well, first of all, it's important to understand what was meant by creator by the vast majority of the founders at the time is that they believed in a deistic God. In other words, it wasn't the, the God of the Bible they were talking about. And I know there's people that are going to say, yes, it was. But if you dig down deep, you'll find no, it wasn't. And what they meant was a God that created the universe but then step back and no longer interfere and with turned it. it over. It's like I hear I made this thing for you. Yes. People take over, which is why they say of nature and nature's God. And they certainly knew who the God of the Bible was and could, and could have said so. But ultimately, our rights, in my view, derive from the nature of man, from the nature of what we are as beings that have to survive. We require certain things in order to keep ourselves living. We require the need to think our thoughts, to figure things out, and then to actually to pursue things in the environment in order to help us 
survive. So you have to define right, and a right ultimately is a moral claim to something. So then you have to say, well, what is morality? And if you go back to Ayn Rand, and I've got by no means time to do this justice, but Rand taught that life is the standard of value. In other words, you don't have value until you have life. And once you have life, you have things of value to it, things that are good or bad for it. So my formulation would be simple, is that if morality, uh, if rights are things that we are morally in, morally entitled to, we must have be entitled to that which makes morality possible, which is our own lives. So we have to have a right to our life and by extension, the right to maintain it and take those actions necessary to do so. 860-522-9842. Dave in Brantford, you're on with Michael Leibowitz. Oh, hey, Dave. my man, Dave. Oh, wait a sec. I messed up again. <laughs> so One happy. One sec, Dave. Okay, go ahead, Dave. Greetings, Michael. Greetings. Well, I am you, so happy to talk to you, Dave. You, you might not be a hero of mine, but you are an inspirational figure. When I have a bad day and I think of the life you had to lead for 25 years, if you can be that excited and keep your nose to the grindstone, it is inspiring to me personally <laughs> and hopefully to many others. Hero maybe is going a bit far. I have a question about deism. Okay. Belief in God, which it was only a couple weeks ago, you and Todd. So I'm outnumbered two to one here with the atheists against the, uh, the deist. Uh, you were kind of uh, whizzing on the concept of a deist. Uh, you believe in rationality and objectivity. And so I am stuck. I'm not defending religion, but I do put forth the Bible, which uh, I, I'm just asking you this. It is an objective. The Bible is objective. It's there. It's written. Yes. Penned by human beings. It's debatable if it was the, the, the inspirational word of God or just penned by human beings. I think it's kind of Darwinian that the collective wisdom of the ages, kind of like Ben Franklin's mm -hmm. rules and Miss Manners, and uh, who wrote that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? What was his name? Dale Carnegie. Carnegie. It's kind of like a collective way to live. Honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not kill. Don't drink blood. Fundamental truths. They're all, yes, they're truths. And whether God inspired it or not, you know, it seems like a good way to live. Well, Dave, you left out the idea that you should stone people to death if they worked on a Saturday. And there's a lot of things in there that are like that as well. So I, I don't, I don't want to get too much into criticizing the Bible. That, but, no, no, I don't want you but, to. But at the same time, people often say that, well, it's just a way to live good. But there's a lot of things in there that we would think aren't very good if people actually Let me throw them. a variation in on this, though, because I, I feel that all politicians, especially today, when they're talking about God, they're not necessarily believing it. But they're believing that the people who the, whose votes they want to win believe in God. So they want to use the language for the purpose of conning those people, but also for the purpose of stating something in a way that everybody gets it. There's something about the idea of saying something is God-given. That's a phrase I use, and I don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. But everybody gets it. Yeah. God-given means it's natural to the human experience. It's fundamental that we have to pursue our happiness. And if you want to convey the meaning of fundamental and all the different ways they tried to... Uh, to say that those things are natural, God-given is just a good shorthand. Sure. And, and Michael. It, it, well, hold on one second. I just want to say, Dave, and the bottom line is the beauty about a free society is everybody is free to believe what they want and to pr practice the religion of their choice. And that is ultimately what we're here to defend and to promote is a, a society where people's rights are protected. 
some of the lessons we leave behind, you mentioned the stoning part for yes. the bad people, but you know what? You and I are both constitutionalists. Yes. We're not exactly defending that you have to be a male 21 years old and they're the only ones can vote, which the Constitution in my book still has that line in there. It has subsequently been amended. But, you know, it was not perfect right out of the box. It was never perfect. Well, it was, it was a, a, a victim of its times and, and was born of its times. So it had to have certain things in it that are no longer acceptable. Uh, best we've ever had. Imagine if South, the South American continent had those rules as the skeleton way to have law for that society. They've got everything we've got, resources and everything, and yet they fail at every turn. To Dave, thank, thank you so much, sir. Great to talk with you. Yep. Dave was right as usual. I picture you and Dave maybe doing a talk show. I would love to do that. A talk Dave. host together. 860 Ooh, we're getting late to get another call in. So uh, please hold on, people on hold. We'll go to Carlos next when we continue. Mike Leibowitz is here. He's coming up on three weeks out of prison, he's learning to handle freedom. It's coming naturally, I think. And the it's microphone. Like riding a bike, huh? <laughs> it is, and I'm learning how to handle the microphone. Yeah, you're too. doing well with that. Well, kind of. You know. It's a, it's come and go. <laughs> yes, you have moments of inspiration <laughs> yeah. on the microphone, along with everything else. So let's find out what's happening um, in terms of your ride, because there's been a ton of rain that fell today. God, this morning it was amazing. Let's check in with Mark Christopher, see if that's having any having any repercussions for you. Mark, of course, in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Hey there, sir. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. All right, it's WTIC. How much fun is this? Mike Leibowitz is in studio. He's doing what he was always meant to be doing. Let's talk to Carlos, who is calling from Bridgeport. Hey, Carlos. Hey, Carlos. Hello. Hello, Todd and Mike. How are you guys? I'm fantastic. We're rocking and rolling. Can't you tell? I see. I see. It's awesome. Let's listen to this and witness it. So you're a former prisoner, and you met Mike and Brent McCall, who we co-authored the book with in prison, correct? Yes, I did, yes. What do you want to tell us? What do you want to say to Mike? Why are you here? Well, um, I'm listening to Mike describe the um, objective philosophy of Ayn Rand, and I just wanted to say that it's not lost on me, Todd, that while you have many of your audience actually saying that, you know, we, you shouldn't allow men who are incarcerated to be on your show for many reasons other than those which are um, purely objective, 
you actually stuck to your rationality and the evidence available and were able to, like, you know, shift, sift through all of that and say, no, there is something here about these men that, you know, my convictions tell me that they are right. And it's my responsibility to actually heed to that reason and process in me rather than actually listening to everybody who's telling me um, the opposite. And so I want to commend you because Mike is doing great things. I'm doing great things. And it just speaks to, um, you know, the consequences of actually sticking to your reason when. Yeah, well, it goes further. You know, the uh, the idea that if we are not welcoming to you guys who have survived the cruelty of living inside of the bosom of government, and if if we're not welcoming you out, realizing that you've been in uh, you've been in hell, and and then you get sent back to us, and and we should you know we should offer you a meal and a, a slap on the back at, at least because that's a tough thing to bounce back from. Well, I I think it even goes beyond that because to give that to somebody who is undeserving in the sense that you don't understand you know what their true character is like then is dangerous. But giving someone like Mike and Brent, who actually provided me with a philosophy of life that continually sustains me to this day, I would say is kudos to you. And, um, you know, it's an example of what Mike and Brent and I have largely gone through in prison and identifying objectively what's required to live a successful life and actually navigating through all the difficulties and obstacles that are presented when you're trying to do so in that kind of environment yeah. that opposes it. It's a big so, thing. Carlos, I'm sorry, I've got to hold you right there because we have a break we have to get to. Thank you so much for calling, though, and giving Mike your vote of support, and we can react to that in a couple of minutes. But right now, Mark Christopher is a busy man. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Or maybe it's Lebo fans. Who know? There's people in the halls. <laughs> They're collecting to see you. Yeah, nice. To get a taste of small government. <laughs> see what it feels like. Yeah. Let's talk to Dave in Bristol. Hi, Dave. Hi, Todd. Um, I, I Say hi to Michael that, as well. I just wish that um, people who quote Bible and try to pick and choose what, what they think it says. Number one, right from the beginning, God said what to do and what not to do. The evil that is in the Bible that some guy said about stoning a woman is not what God said to do. It's what people did in their, in their evil of right from the beginning, knowing right from wrong, which was a lie to begin with. We, we were innocent then until then. God has always been the Redeemer throughout all the Scripture, all the way to the end. He's been the Redeemer the Ten Commandments don't say anything about any anything that's bad for living. Correct? Anything. If you do, do the Ten those Commandments... Those are all good things. Think about this. Jesus said, if those who do those things, my commandments, will have life. And it, and it works. If everybody on the face of the earth just followed that and did what Jesus said, there would be no evil. There wouldn't be any. Yeah, there would be no that sounds war. good. Would... Let's just, so, uh, so how do you get people to do that? Here's the trick. <laughs> In Bruce Almighty, uh, Jim Carrey said, how do you get people to love you without breaking their free will? <laughs> and, and Morgan Freeman says, 
when you find an answer to that, let me, let know. me know. Yeah. All right, Dave. So thank you is. for the call. Good to talk with you. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. I don't understand all that stuff, so I have to defer to Dave on it. Like I don't, I don't know if he's right or wrong. I assume he's right. I know he's right about the the uh, the commandments because I've never heard. I don't think I've heard one of those. Are any of those objectionable? All I would say is that if anybody Google's how many commandments are actually in the Bible, they're mm-hmm. going to see that there's far more than ten. There's actually six hundred and thirteen in the Old Testament. The 10 get the most attention. I don't really know why. Probably they hired because they a PR were on the, company. Well, they were, yeah, they were on the stone tablets. They were mm-hmm. actually published for everybody to see. But there's actually 613 of them. And are they all good? Or do they get more specific uh, and idiosyncratic? I would say that stoning people to death for working on a Sunday or, I mean, a Saturday. Was rather, that a commandment? It, it's one of the 613 laws of the Torah, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have a difference of opinion. Yes. From somebody who doesn't know what he speaks. <laughs> Of, that's you. Right? I, I don't know what I speak of. Yeah, when it comes to the Bible, your Bible is Ayn Rand, isn't it? Uh, no, because that would mean that I accept her on faith, which I would never would accept anything on faith, only on reason. But All I, right, leave them. <laughs> but I've read that Bible cover to cover probably three times. All right, so the f- phone lines have cleared out. If anybody has a question mm-hmm. or comment for Mike, mm-hmm. give a call, 860 We've got about uh, 10 minutes. Anything else you want to get out on the table? Well, just that I I hope that people aren't too dissuaded by my views on religion. I didn't want to turn this into a conversation about that. It just kind of went in that direction. So like Socrates said, you follow the conversation wherever it goes. But what I would like to get on the table is I am just loving life, Todd. I've been out of jail less than three weeks, (laughs) and I've eaten a lot of good food, and I've had a chance to spend time with some really good people, yourself obviously included, and your lovely wife, Rosalie, has just been great to me, and my friend Subby's been great. And being here to speak is just, it's like living a dream. It's it's amazing to me. It's a phenomenal experience. Yeah, well, life is a phenomenal experience when you you keep yourself— Free. (laughs) Yes, it is. Freedom is kind of the prerequisite, which, you know, is ultimately what we're fighting for, because the more freedom people have, I believe, the happier they're going to be. Yeah, there's no question. And and, uh, the interesting thing is that that you have this enemy class, the government class, that's trying that's always conspiring to twist everything up so that we become our own. Our own. Jailers. Yeah, and it seems to me that it's in the government's interest. And by government, I mean Republicans, Democrats, the whole apparatus. To have the citizenry at each other's throats over what I would consider to be issues that are not even really issues. Because as long as we're at each other's throats over these issues. They're free (laughs) to rob us blind. Yeah, and to pretend like they're fighting for us and they're on our side, which. Which uh, clearly they are not. With few exceptions, yes. All right, let's go to Judy in South Windsor. Hey, Judy. Hi. You're on the air with Lebo. What do you want to say? Hi, Judy. Uh, hi, Mike. I wanted to uh, ask Mike a question. Okay. Um, Mike, obviously you did you uh, did very well while being in prison, and you focused on your release and you planned for your future, and that's just wonderful. I'm very, very happy for you, but how... Did you do that when there's not much support there? 
Well, I did it in two ways. One, I've been an avid reader for about 24 years. First year in prison, I really wasn't, but I picked up the habit of reading. That's one way. And the second way was very fortuitously, I was able to run into Brent McCall, who would become my best friend. And he and I were in the same housing unit for 15 years, and we were cellmates for 11. So in a world of chaos, he was a beacon of rationality for me, somebody that I could always go to and talk to. And we supported each other in our growth when many times everything around us was trying to deter us either intentionally or just simply by the neglect of the environment. So that said, when people say to me, well, if the prison system's so bad, how did you do it? Well... That is not a recipe for everybody to follow. I happened to get transferred to a block that Brent was in in late uh, 2001. Had that never happened, I never would have met him, and I never would have had the opportunity. So he guided you down a, a, a new path. We guided Judy, each other. Judy, is there a way you can turn down the radio? Yeah. Turn down the radio. Go ahead, Mike. Make the point. Yeah. So. We did, he, I wouldn't say he guided me as much as we guided each other. We were there for each other because each of us would slip many, many times along the road as is necessary. When you're trying to learn anything new, you're going to fail yeah. at times. And it, when you're trying to learn how to live a responsible, ethical life, it's no exception, especially when your whole life has been spent living the mm-hmm. other way. So then the fact that we had each other always to point it out when we were slipping and to give feedback and to give encouragement – was just a tremendous benefit that the Department of Correction had nothing to do with. Except uh, the accidents of your being together. Anything else, Judy? No, I just, that's uh, really good to hear, Mike, and I'm glad that you did so well. And it's too bad that, um, you know, maybe you can plan something in the future to speak to, to go around and speak to prisons, and you are a great example of how maybe they can improve their life as well. Thank you, Judy. I Judy, would love thanks to so do much that. for the call. No, that's not what you need to do. They, <laughs> I understand why people suggest that because they think of you prisoner and they they are confined to that category. But the reality is that what you learned from being in prison and what you developed in terms of philosophy is something the whole world needs to hear about. And um, and the people who control prisons and make them them horrible organizations and destructive members of our society. Uh, are the same ones who do that with all the other government departments. And that the whole thing needs to be changed in ways that you have come to see. Well, that's true. And the opportunity cost would mean that if I spent my time speaking to prisoners, I would have less time to be doing what I really want to do, which is this. Which is talking to people and, yes. and changing the world uh, yes. through changing people's understanding, which I see as being um, imperative, particularly in Connecticut. Connecticut's an unusual state. I don't think most people who live here understand that the things that government does that's awful, that's in violation of the premise uh, of the Constitution, well, the the premises of the Constitution in our system of government, the violations are much worse in Connecticut than elsewhere because the overtaxation is worse, the lack of media creates an environment in um, in which government officials can lie more readily and get away with murder more easily so they're the real criminals in my mind which is one of the reasons when i'm when people are calling up and giving us a hard time or giving me a hard time for having you on i'm thinking you know the bad people here are the ones who are respected by the media and their every word is automatically repeated 
are the ones who are always trying to steal more money from us, and then they waste that money and use it to harm our electoral system by rigging elections with it. You know, people have to do a lot of waking up, I think. I do, too. And I think that we have a great opportunity here in Connecticut, because while it may seem that it's a very liberal state, and perhaps it is, but I don't think the people have ever been given a real alternative. I mean, the Len Fasanos and Themis Claritis of the world are not what I would consider a rational small government alternative, which is what you are trying to do now. And I'm really happy to be on board because I think it's the way to go. All right. Let's talk to Tim in stores. Hello there, Tim. Welcome. Hi, Todd. Hi, Michael. Hey, Tim. Um, Mike, I just want to let you know my uh, my daughter is a psychology major at UConn. She just got her master's, and she's done some work with prisoners, and she's done some work with uh, I'm sorry, not prisoners, prison guards, okay, and um, nurses. And I bought your book for her, and I read it, and she read it. And the thing I would say to let people know. You know, if they haven't read your book yet, this is not not an easy read. It is phenomenal. You have to put everything away, put your brain to work, and it's a really beautiful piece of writing and a lot of insightful out there. What she did, which was really cool, is after she read it, she gave it back to me, and she footnoted it put post-its in it, wrote comments on things. Wow. And it was really, she really, really enjoyed it. So what I was, what I was thinking is maybe someday, if I ever get a chance, I'd like to get that copy back to you so you could take a look at some of the things that she said. It was all very complimentary and a lot of, she just put so much thought into what you and Brent were saying and had some things to say back to it that she wanted me to read, and it was just really, really cool. And I just wanted to thank you and congratulate you on the awesome job that you've done. And it's, you've, I've listened to you and Todd over all this time, and you've, you've really done a great job. You've inspired me, and you've inspired my daughter as well. Tim, just, thank you thank for you. that. Mike, what's your email address in case they want to reach out to you? My email address is Lebo, L-I-E-B-O, 1271 at gmail.com. And, Tim, I would love for you to get Lebo in touch 1271 with Lebo1271 at gmail. Yes. Cool. That's easy. It's Reach easy out. Enough. Reach out. Lebo will be there. I will be. All <laughs> like, right. You want build, to s- it, build it, you will come. Thanks you, a lot, Tim. You want to stay for the food hour, or you have to go? You guys decide. Yeah, we'll, we'll stay for the food hour. All right. I've been eight, eating enough. Might as well talk eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. This is WTIC. He's Mark Christopher in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark, what's happening? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.